0: What is future readiness? Who is future ready? These are just a few of the questions our panelists, representing medicine, business, architecture and design, and media, engaged in answering the Future Gen Girls Leadership Summit panel, The Future Is Now. The Future Is Now panel was one of the most relevant conversations of our summit, as it highlighted the competencies and skills teen girls will likely need to succeed in any field in the future our panelists drew on a wealth of diverse experiences to underlie the importance of being flexible, curious, creative, agile, unconventional, collaborative, innovative, and daring. Of being tech forward, thinking outside the box, and taking calculated risks. I think what most surprised me, and probably surprised many of the teen girls in our audience, was how many of our illustrious panelists started out on one path, but then diverged quite dramatically onto another career path altogether. The Jennifer Yu Chang Girls Impact Foundation founder, Jennifer Yu Chang, for example, got her start in engineering before entering finance and then education. Sharmini Chetwood studied medicine before going into finance. Betty Ng was on an express path to success in architecture overseas when she decided to come home to Hong Kong, open her own business, and teach architecture at university. My biggest takeaway? Embrace change, keep an open mind, continue learning, and most importantly, keep moving. The future is now indeed. Welcome to the Edgy
1: Podcast Series. Welcome everybody. Hello. Uh, I heard the morning session was very lively, so you need to try to beat that today, okay? Because we have a very, very stunning panel of female uh, leaders in all different groups, uh, in all different fields, everything from architecture, banking, finance, the medical field, and education, and tech, uh, including me, in media as well. Um, so thank you so much for, for joining us. First off, I just wanna kick things off uh, with a brief introduction, and I'm gonna have each of our panelists to just give a brief introduction about themselves, where they come from, how did they become a mentor, and, and Hong Kong, what what brought them to Hong Kong as well. So, Sharmini, I'll start with you, and we'll go down the line.
2: Sure, thanks very much, Yvonne. Hello, everybody, my name's Sharmini. I uh, have been in Hong Kong for 16 years. I work in finance, but I did not start out in finance. I started out in medicine. Um, I love Hong Kong, I have a teenage daughter of 17 years old um, and as I've watched her grow and see her path and what she wants to do, it's sort of reminded me of the path that I sort of started on and the way that my, the changes in my career uh, evolved and that is what I want to uh, give back, is that you don't have to stay on the same path. There are lots and lots of options for people, especially uh, in this day and age.
3: Okay, so I'm Jennifer, as you all know, and um, picking off from where Sharmini left off, um, my path to my passion in education took 15 years. I was an engineer by background at university training in economics, and then started um, a career in finance, was also at Goldman at one point before I um, got into education, and started with youth education. So I've been doing that for 13 years, and then gradually K-12, to and here I am now, um, founding JYC Girls Impact Foundation, hoping to empower teen girls to be future ready leaders.
4: Hi, I'm Cindy. Um, I run the Alibaba Hong Kong Entrepreneurs Fund. Um, The mission of this fund is really to try to uh, help young people like yourselves um, to pursue your dreams and uh, pursue something different. I was born and raised here in Hong Kong. Uh, I'm from a family of five girls. And uh, I went to a girl's school. So um, I understand um, you know, how important it is for girls to support girls in pursuing something uh, really different from the, you know, from the normal path. And um, yeah, I hope that uh, our panel will give you some insights. Hi,
5: everyone. I'm Betty. Um, I'm an architect. I was also born and raised in Hong Kong, uh, also in a family of three girls. Also went to a girl's school. Um, <laughs> So I'm always surrounded by women. (laughs) Um, But I worked in an industry that is uh, very male dominant. Um, I came back to Hong Kong seven years ago and opened my own company, architecture company. Uh, Prior to that, uh, I went to the States for university, uh, and then I worked majorly in Europe. Um, So I'm very lucky I've seen the world. Um, Now I'm back home. Uh, trying to give back uh, by also uh, teaching in the university part-time. I teach in the architecture school. Uh, For me, it's very important to be able to share my experience and really encourage girls uh, to enter architecture or other industries. Um, Yeah, look forward to sharing.
6: Hello, I'm uh, Professor Eva Kwong. So I was born here, uh, but I spent a lot of my time away from Hong Kong until I graduated in medicine. So uh, one of these traditional mommy and daddy want you to choose medicine (laughs) uh, as a career, and here I am. Um, But uh, of course, being a doctor is not just being a doctor, and I would love to share with you today. Uh, I also have a young, two young children. Uh, uh, because of my career, my children were born quite late, so I have one who had a primary one interview yesterday, and one who's three. Uh, but certainly with them, um, when Jennifer asked me to join this panel, I really would love to. Uh, part of doctor's job is actually teaching. Uh, we teach a lot, we study a lot. So today I would certainly love to share with you uh, and with my children, I also know, I also have two girls, okay? So I also know how important it is to mentor girls for the future.
1: I also, I'm also a family of two girls. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're all just very empowered around f- females and mother figures. And, and it's great that you know, we have such a great panel here. And, and let's just kick it off with the very simple question, right? What is future ready? What's the definition? How do you measure it? Cindy, I'll ask you for that first question.
4: Okay, um, i you future ready, is really hard to 再接着有Internet,现在Mobile,3G,4G,5G。所以其实如果你纯粹从一个 Technical Training, Economic Forum也说,在2050年有9千万个90 million的 roads 呃, will appear.而可能32个同学,在这里的同学,都可能做一些是现在未出现的。and that the rose. 所以我觉得 technical skills其实是永远都在不上但有一些 soft skills是非常重要例如你的 creativity, open 然後找到自己的姿勢特別是我的基金很倡議 擺擺做啦,1500一講費,去呢方面的一個頭方,所以其實是一些好多新的層面上邊同學都可以搵到一些新的機會了,所以最最緊要就是有一個open的mindset,同就是真去勇於去嘗試,同又勇於去創新哦。Maybe maybe you can chime
1: in,say你覺得其實成功success, does that mean to you?How do you define it? And how do you measure it? Success is a very heavy word. Uh, I'm quite allergic to it. Um, I guess
5: one of the reasons is because success to me always, you know, is a target and it almost means the end of things. Uh, I, for me, success is an irrelevant word, if I might say. I know some of you might disagree, but um, and I will explain a little bit why I think it's an I- irrelevant word because it's sort of, you know, signify an end to something. Um, I personally think the idea of success is a moving action, meaning you really need to um, be able to attain a goal you have, but you keep move. You have to keep moving on. Um, you know, for example, myself, um, I was very lucky. I worked with one of the world's most famous architects um, in Holland. Um, I was I became design director and I thought wow, you know, I'm young and I'm fabulous I'm like working with the greatest architect my idol Uh, things happen. Um, I quit my job Uh, I start from zero again. What should I do? Should I come home? Um, Should I go work for someone else? So I decided to to come home and start my own firm and at that moment I asked myself does it mean I failed or am I actually restarting? to hope to become so-called, in quote, successful again. So that's also what I meant by I think success is a very irrelevant word in a way because I feel like it's a burden. Uh, I think in general, um, to be future ready, let's put it that way, is to keep moving. Um, There's so many phases and level in your life that you need to change and you need to fix, you need to like readjust your expectation, the context and everything. Uh, so I think agility is very important. Um, that means you can change your mind. Uh, I think it's super important that you are agile and open minded. Um, I think that's something that I treasure very much, uh, that I change towards the situation. Uh, you know, there's this Chinese saying, be like water. Um, I mean, it comes from Bruce Lee, and I really, really like this expression in terms of how uh, it means how you can be fluid and you change according to the situation and the context.
1: Yeah, my, my, mom, my mom always taught me, Yeah, yes. right, you need to know how to navigate, and your life will always have twists and turns, right? And it's how you, as a woman, face it, and you uh, Professor Kwan, I, I was going to talk to you because you said, you know, typical mommy, daddy wanted you to be a doctor. Did you always want to be a doctor, though?
6: Good question. So <laughs> not really. <laughs> so so actually, if you meet a lot of doctors, you'll realize that actually we're not just good at studying. So as a child, I was very good at art and music, actually. I actually wanted to be a stage star. Uh, i had gone so far as to going to get an audition in London, except that I got found out, <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to go. But here I am. <laughs> so, um, so I went into medicine, not because of the typical answer that you give universities saying that you, you love to save the world. I literally went to medicine because I was quite good at studying, and which to date, I don't think my dad and mum is wrong, um, to date, they, they will tell you that basically everyone needs a doctor no matter what the economy is or no matter what happens, it's stable, it is stable. Um, but I think, you know, basically, yeah. So I, I never never did want to be a doctor, but I happen to love my job. So, so one of the few things which our panels have already mentioned is how important it is to be open-minded and flexible and think out of the box. And to me, what's even more important is you can only do that um, if you love your career, you should treat your career as a career, not as a job. It's, it's very different. Because when you see it as a career, you appreciate that when things go wrong, um, at that point of time, you will think, oh my God, why is this happening to me? It's just not right. Um, but actually, it's when, you know when a door is closed and another door opens for you it always happened that way it doesn't it never feels like that at that at that moment and that's kind of what happened to me um, because you know I became a doctor and now I'm a professor honestly another little secret I want to share with you is I never wanted to be a professor um, actually <laughs> uh, this sort of happened. Um, when i got married with my husband he said to me one day you can be a professor and my answer to him was literally you must be kidding me it's so hard Um, and so you know here i am as a professor only because i i I became a surgeon which is quite like betty my world is full of men it's actually very hard Um, it's very demanding and i became a surgeon and i got a little bit bored so i came across a chance of learning about research on breast cancer, on young women with breast cancer, actually. I do a lot of the genetics. And I had an opportunity to go abroad to study this because I met someone from Stanford in Hong Kong and here I am, I went to Stanford and I sort of left my husband for two years. And I, <laughs> and I went there and at that point, my boss at the time said, you should do a PhD. And I thought, you must be kidding me again, right? But, um, but, but so I just entered a PhD program because I was going abroad to study anyway and got my PhD and things just happened. So so I would say that my career was, to, to anybody outside, looks really easy, it's not. I had a lot of trauma, a lot of failures, um, but every time a failure came, um, really something else better happen. But you have to work hard for it. Being a doctor, you really have to work hard for it. And you really have to love what you do. I think going into becoming a doctor thinking, oh, it's stable, I'll make my money and I'll be happy, it's not a good reason of going into becoming a doctor. You really have to love what you do because your patients can tell whether you care. And on the side, um, the other thing I want to say is your fluid is true. So you can be a doctor, you could be an educator, you can be even be politicians, right, nowadays. You uh, could be anything. So medicine is just a foundation to allow you to start of a career and then you can be flexible and change into anything you want. And I even run a charity because I see what's lacking. So when you become a doctor or engineer or you know architect or business person, actually, you, you are basically talented. You can do anything you want. So yeah. I think don't get stuck with a degree name, I would yeah. say.
1: And Dr. Kron, I don't think anyone thinks that your job is easy. <laughs> <laughs> <There's just laughs> you wear many hats um, and, and maybe Sharmini, you can chime in. I, I know you mentioned you wanted to be a doctor growing up, and then how did you end up in finance?
2: Yes, well, I'm sort of <clears throat> slightly the opposite story to to uh, to Prof Ava. I started from the age of four. I really wanted to be a doctor. And I found it really fascinating. And at like eight years old, I had Gray's Anatomy, and I was looking at all the drawings and memorizing all the Latin words. And we had a lot of friends who were doctors. And one of them said to me when I was about 14, 15, why do you want to be a doctor, Sharmini? And I said, look, I find it really fascinating. I love biology. I love chemistry. and anatomy, I just look at all these drawings, and he said to me, actually, you should actually be wanting to be a doctor because you want to help people. But of course, that sort of went over my head, and my parents were quite keen that I went to medical school, so I went to medical school, and I found out at about three, four years in that I really liked the research part of medicine, but not so much the clinical part. So I decided to take a year out. I went to the UK. I um, did. I ended up doing a PhD at St. Mary's, uh, which I loved, but unfortunately at that point, I realized I was studying people who had a terminal illness, And I also decided that medicine wasn't for me. I wasn't gonna go back and finish it. And this is where sort of being a bit entrepreneurial with your own career is, is super important. And I knew a lot of different people. I knew some bankers and they all said to me, look, why don't you think about going into banking? And I said, well, I don't even know what an asset is or what a liability is, I know nothing. And they said, look, banks like people with different educational bank or backgrounds, have a go. And literally, they prepared me with prep interviews over about a month. I read the Financial Times. I got hired, not by the top bank in the world, but by ING Bearings, out of London, sent to Singapore. Um, I used all my research skills um from the phd applied to companies it was a steep learning curve but then here i am you know 20 25 years later i'm in banking i love esg it's a very difficult problem to solve it also requires you to sort of analyze what the future could be and i think one of the other things we talked about um, uh, yvonne is you know how to to think as an entrepreneur, it's not just about your, your own career, it's also about if you actually want to be a, an entrepreneur. I would say um, we've got an entrepreneur in the family, one or two, and so I spoke to him last night and I said I was speaking to these uh, group of young women, and he said a couple of things. Number one, Keep it very simple. Identify a market need. So he basically did all this research, found out that there were people with land that didn't know what to do with it, and he ended up selling outdoor advertising and putting massive billboards on that land. So the landowner gets some money, and um, and the advertiser gets to advertise. And he's built this into a multi-million-dollar business. He identified an unmet need. He keeps it simple. He surrounds himself with people who are brighter than him. He's not the greatest mathematician, he can't do projections, he doesn't know detail. But his advice was surround yourself with people with different skills, and that's kind of what I did, you know, and that's how I made the jump into banking. So people talk about network, actually network is friends and watch what your friends are doing, and I think that puts you in a really great state to be to be future ready. Great. Uh, Betty, I was going to ask you, because you, you traveled the world
1: with your career. Um, and now that you're back in Hong Kong, you've you started your own business. There's this whole concept of locally born and bred, tou San Is there any success stories that you know of people that have found success in Hong Kong and staying in Hong Kong?
5: Um,
1: are we going back to discussing the word success? <laughs> yeah.
5: Well. I think, I mean, personally, for me, um, I actually love being back home. Um, of course, in the beginning, it was it was a little difficult, particularly in my industry. Um, the type of work here in Hong Kong are completely different. Um, I was working in Europe, so there is like single family houses, cute little buildings that you can build. In Hong Kong, it's extremely corporate, very big size building, towers, which I have the experience doing it, but uh, my firm will never be commissioned that, because we're a small firm. However, uh, I think having trained overseas and being back home, um, I sort of encompass uh, like East meet West, uh, and it really is something very important, because I work in a Dutch environment for a long time. Dutch people are known to be very straightforward. That doesn't work in this society, to be very honest. Um, So, you know, that mixture of being direct, being open, but then at the same time, uh, bear the tradition and courtesy uh, really helped uh, myself to kind of get back into Hong Kong and, um, you know, build up this company that I'm trying to do. Uh, I see that in a lot of my friends, um, you know, who return, Uh, people who are not too into, you know, living their previous life in the Western side of the world, but being able to really immerse oneself and try to understand and observe with a lens of openness, um, that real kind of immersiveness really helped um, so-called success to move forward, to, ch- to make changes, I think. Um, again, I think we all come back to this uh, point of openness Um, I mean, I'm an architect, so you will think that, oh, well, you must be very creative, Uh, you must be very good at art and engineering, Uh, but one of the most important thing about creativity and creative thinking, I personally think, is imagination. Um, You really need to not be bounded by this frame or what people use to tell you that, oh, it's done this way, there's no other way. That is absolutely not true. There's always other ways, um, you know. Even your career, everyone who's been sharing their career, we have a lot of switches. I'm actually the most boring one here because, well, I wanted to do medicine. I switch <laughs> at the end of my uh, A levels, form seven, uh, to architecture, uh, but it was just purely because of uh, a discovery, uh, going to an open house uh, for university and realizing that I actually like doing things that is a mixture of uh, contradiction arts and science. And that's also explain why I'm very feeling very comfortable uh, living in a contradictory kind of position, being educated in the West, uh, having worked in Europe, being Chinese, now in Hong Kong. Um, again, I can't say enough. Being open and just be extremely open-minded. be um, Accept your failure, uh, but look forward to the new. Uh, it's super important.
1: Cindy. I wanted to ask you too about, you know, Betty mentioned imagination. Obviously, you deal with a lot of entrepreneurs, right. and they obviously have a very innovative ideas. How do you tell girls, you know, young girls, what's the best way to pitch their entrepreneur ideas?
4: Well, I, I guess um, uh, we always love to hear uh, new ideas, uh, very innovative, very disruptive ideas that um, to meet um, some unmet um, demands, right? But um, I guess uh, sometimes it is just um, pivoting a little bit, um, improving the uh, customer service. will also serve um, as an entrepreneur to start a new business. Um, I, I guess this is one key thing: is the value that you are bringing um, to the market or to the uh, customers. But, but the most more important thing is really when you pitch to the uh, investors or your business partner, how you are go- you how passionate, how you feel. They must have to feel your passion about uh, what you, um, you're trying to do. And, um, and you have to show that you really believe in what you are uh, going to pursue in your dreams. And um, thirdly, is um, I guess um, most of the um, lady entrepreneurs that we come across, they are more conservative, um, per se. Uh, for men, I guess um, even they are like sixty percent uh, ready to pitch, they will just you know go and pitch. But for female entrepreneurs, a lot of time they have to be hundred and twenty percent sure before they try to pitch uh, to investors. I guess um, that may be something um, nature nature to us, um, being more conservative. But um, you know sometimes uh, just try to uh, be more bold in uh, reaching out uh, for support and also really you know mm-hmm. just think of just be be brave and be yeah. confident of yourself. Jennifer maybe you can chime
1: in on that about you know how do girls start planning that career path for themselves especially in a very digitalized future ready world now.
3: Yeah, bringing it back to what it means for all the teen girls here um, at your age, what does digital era, future ready even mean, right? So we've heard from all our speakers, many of us have changed many paths. And I think research also points to the fact that you're probably gonna be changing six jobs or six roles at the minimum in your lifetime. So being adaptable is absolutely key. But digital era just also means that we're living in a world where everything is digital. We're all living with technology, but beyond that, all industry, all careers will have have some transformations through technology, whether it's COVID, and all of us have to learn online, right, to arts, to retail, to many, many um, industries that you will also uh, see today. So the implications is this, like what does that future world of work imply for education now as a teen girl? I believe that it means that no matter whether you're going into STEM, and I'm hoping more students would pursue STEM, seeing that there are many great career opportunities, but also for those who are not going to STEM, it means that it's imperative to gain the digital literacies and the mindset to be able to navigate into many job opportunities. Second to that is actually the skills and competencies that many of our speakers have shared with you, right? Those leadership competencies and being willing to step out of your comfort zone to try new things, um, to be adaptable, to be proactive, to have strong communication skills, to be great collaborators. These are the people skills that will help you navigate into any roles and also into leadership.
1: I wanna leave some time for questions for anybody in the audience that wants to ask a question to one of our panelists. Feel free to raise your hands and we'll bring the microphone to you. Anybody have a question? Don't be shy
5: to
1: be an architect.
5: <laughs> I
4: have to confess that I, I, I actually started with the most boring job, <laughs> <laughs> being an accountant. So I, I was an uh, accountant in Probably, uh, uh, in wow. training in profession, yeah. and before I you know landed ended up in uh, running this very interesting fund.
1: Okay, I think we have one person there. Sorry, we can't see with the light, but feel free to to speak. Uh, yeah. yeah, was there a sort of specific event that made you want to change career paths? Mm. Good question. Does anyone
2: want to? Yeah. Um, there was for me. So I, I think I mentioned I was doing research in my PhD on people um, who had a terminal illness. And what I realized, I went back to New Zealand, I was born in New Zealand, and, and there was somebody who had this illness that, that looked me up on the internet and got in touch with me and wanted to meet for a coffee. And I met with this person and he really wanted to know where the research was going, what the future would hold, and basically he was asking, you know, what, what the hope was for him personally. And at that sort of point, I realized that I wasn't really equipped. You know, I didn't really have the, um, that perhaps the the mental resilience to deal with the ups and downs of medicine to deal with the you know the point that um Eva, uh mentioned that re- you know it really is a calling and patients will know if you are not sort of a hundred percent committed and so at that point i thought i really need to be doing something that uses research skills that uses you know what i like which is sort of being conceptually very agile And I began to talk to my friends and that was the sort of pivotal moment where I thought I'm probably not going to finish medicine. Any more questions? Oh,
1: we have a few in the back, too. Okay, great.
2: So I would like to ask what is a good career path in this digitized future ready road?
1: So Jennifer just answered that, but we'll have someone else want to answer that question, too. Anything you love. I think it's important to consider
5: what you like, uh, but not to conform to what the society think what is best for this kind of highly tech and digital world that is coming forth. 20 years ago, we are not holding iPhones. Uh, 20 years ago, I'm not thinking of like you know whether I need to prepare myself for tech. You will just grow with it. I think it's super important that you really need to do what you like. Uh, something that you're passionate uh, as Dr. Kwon mentioned, and I completely agree, it's a career, not a job. Uh, I'm extremely happy doing what I'm doing right now, but I work very long hours, but I'm happy. It's part of my life. My work-life balance is that my work is my life. (laughs) Some people might not agree with that, but I'm happy every day doing what I'm doing. Uh, I never think that I'm going to work. And I think that is very important for you, but maybe we have a bit more technical oh. response to
4: that. <laughs> yeah. very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. Can I also
6: add to curiosity? So so I'm probably the only person who is continuing the career of what I studied, right? But actually, you know, during your career, there are many changes. So, so if you talk about digital and AI, actually, I was never good at computing, but we have to learn these, right? Or instruments that are used for surgery. You used to use the hands and now we have to use all the scopes, and I'm doing something called cryosurgery where you freeze the cancer. I mean, things like that would, you know, when I was studying medicine, I would have never imagined I have to learn how to fix an instrument as such. And so, you know, it, again, because you love what you do, you learn, and, and in medicine, um, like architect, actually, we are always studying. My PhD was not till I got my surgery degree. Uh, only, you know, uh, maybe six, seven years ago. So my friends who are in business will always say, why are you studying again? You know, it's like, I still have degrees I like to do. So it's like, um, it's forever learning and curiosity and love what you do. And, you know, and think, when things change, you know, there was a question say, what made you change? Sometimes an opportunity comes up and and, and you just don't expect it. And you realize if you miss that opportunity, you might just, you, you don't know where that opportunity is going to take you. And this is what happened in my career, even within medicine. You know, like when I have a charity, why, why did you hold a charity? I never want to have a charity. But it was because it was something that I wanted to do, that was the only way, and somebody came up to help me. Um, so you contact your friends, you learn from them, and you, know, you just get a chance, and, and somehow you just end up there. And I think that's the best way. I really do.
1: Any more questions? We have time for one more. I think. We have a student back there. Oh, we have a student back there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay.
6: Um, as uh, experts in your field, do you see technology making our world better or worse? Ooh. Are there bad wow. aspects? Wow,
1: that's a tough question. Who experience. wants to tackle that one?
2: <laughs> I think. Can I just give a very quick uh, sustainability response to that? We have got big existential questions on this planet, um, how to decarbonize, and without technology and without money going into these technologies, we're not going to solve that problem, and we're going to have a lot of change um, in our access to natural resources, in climate refugees. And I think for anybody uh, pursuing STEM, the Greater Bay Area is focused on these technologies, on green financing, on directing money towards technologies that can help us solve the climate crisis. I think that's one of the most exciting opportunities as climate change in the Greater Bay Area for anybody growing up in Hong Kong uh, today
1: thank you so much great questions and i want to thank my fellow panelists here for such a great and fruitful conversation here today hope you guys got some good takeaways from all this and enjoy the rest of the summit so thank you so much
3: thank you thank you again give a big round of applause to our panelists our speakers for sharing your personal and experienced professional stories please
0: be seated thank you very much thank you This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I loved how our panelists dove into their past to share their most personal experiences with our teen audience. I felt inspired to explore my own passions that I left by the wayside years ago. I hope our teen participants felt similarly inspired to dream big, try new things, and stay open to the magic of possibility. The future is now.
6: Welcome to the EpiMaker podcast series.